0: Amen. If you would remain standing for the reading of God's word, Uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 today, and we're going to be looking at verses 27 and 28. My name is Cody. I get to be the pastor here at the table, and we are so glad that you're here with us. Um, If you don't have a Bible, no worries. The words are going to be on the screen um, for you. Um, But uh, if you did pick up one of those Bibles at the back of the room, um, we're going to be on page 983. Um, And then again, if you have your own, uh, great. Colossians chapter 1 verses 27-28. through Um, Again, and if you picked up one of those Bibles um, and you don't have one at home, feel free to take that home with you. We want you to have a copy of the Word of God um, in your hands. So let's go ahead and uh, I'll read this and they'll pray for us and then we'll jump into the text. Okay? Paul the Apostle writes, "...to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery." which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that um, you would help us to um, accurately evaluate where we are. God, that you would help us to not think um, more highly of ourselves or more uh, think ourselves more mature than we actually are. And God, we also ask that you would help us to not think of ourselves more um, lowly than what we are. Lord, that we would recognize humbly who we are in Christ. And God, we ask that, that you would give us the courage to take those steps for us, steps toward maturity. Um, for some of us, Lord, that's going to mean that we take a step of faith and we know, we, we just, we claim you as our Savior. Um, we, we kind of get into that relationship with you. For some of us, that's, that's the step we need to take. For others of us, we've known you for a while, but we know that there are areas that we need to repent of. We know there's areas we need to be stretched in, we need to grow in. And God, we ask that you would give us um, the, the confidence, the security, the safety Um, to do that, the faith, to believe that we can do that knowing that you are in us. You, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So God, we ask that you would do those things for us today. Um, I pray that you would uh, help me to present your word and I ask that um, your word would be as fire and that our hearts would be as grass. We ask it in Jesus' good, good name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Um, As I said, my name is Cody. I get to be the pastor here at the table, we are so glad that you're here um, with us today. We're in our second week of a series called Rooted, um, and that means we're in the smack dab middle of this series. This is like one of the shortest sermon series we've ever um, done. It's three Sundays. Dan led us off last week, preached through verses 25 and 26. I'm following up this week with 27 and 28, and then we're going to start chapter 2. We're going to get into chapter 2 next week. So you say, well, why in the world? Why, why don't you just wrap it up and start chapter 2 with like like the next sermon series because here's the thing those little chapter numbers those are put in there later on Paul didn't do that okay like that that's not where the flow of thought um, stops with Paul so anyway um, but let's go ahead and get this here's what here's the question I want to ask you do you consider yourself mature in Christ do you consider yourself mature in Christ now I don't know about about you um, I. But I think that I'm more mature than I was 25 years ago, okay? But if if you were to say, do I think of myself as mature in Christ? Then I have to look at that and say, well, like compared to Jesus, no. Compared to Paul, no. Compared like like compared to what? Do I consider myself mature in Christ? And it's really kind of one of those questions. Like I recognize that as a church plant, we have people that are kind of all over the map. I even alluded to that in my prayer. Like some of us don't even know Christ at all, but yet we're drawn to this thing called the church. We have relationships with people, but I'm still trying to like you, you figure this thing out, and then other Other people, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. Like, I just want you to know that there there are some of you out there that I look at you and I'm like, I'm like, that's where I want to get to. Like 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 honestly like as Paul said imi- like follow me as I follow Christ Paul like told some of the churches imitate me like there are some people that I look at I'm like that's a person that if they said that I'm all in and even though they haven't said it I'm do I'm looking at them and say I want to have a a confident mature relationship with Christ I consider some of you mature in Christ even if you may not consider yourself that okay. So I want you to know that I don't think of myself as the most mature in Christ person in this room. That's kind of a dangerous thing if the preacher is like the most mature one in the room. You you realize that, right? All right. So do you consider yourself mature in Christ? Now, I don't know where you landed at with that answer, but as we walk through this, I want you to know there's going to be two parts, and then there's going to be, I'm going to come back and ask that question again at the end, and I'm going to ask you to take a step toward maturity in Christ. Okay? That's how we're going to unpack this. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Who is the them? Look at verse 27. He says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who's them? Well, you have to go back one verse. and When Dan alluded to this last week as he preached on this, if you go back one verse and look at um Verse 26, he says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Now, that word saints, it means holy ones, okay? It means holy ones. So when we ask the question, do you consider yourself mature in Christ? And if you say, well, if that's the mark, and you say a holy one, some of you are like, well, no. <laughs> no, you should have seen the way I talked to my spouse this morning. Like, I don't consider myself holy. Like, you know, I know that that guy that I cut off in traffic does not consider me holy. <laughs> a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure he gave me a sign that indicated that I was not holy. <laughs> it was just one finger, but he wouldn't tell me that I was number one. Like, you you know, I, you, we we look at that and we compare ourselves to like the context of our lives, like, yeah, I'm not... but. What does saint mean? Now here's the thing. A lot of us come at this from like maybe a Catholic background. And that's, that's how we think about saints. And there's like a whole like vetting process to be considered a saint. You have to be dead like for like 200 years. And you have to perform miracles and people had to witness it. And you had to have this record of all these good deeds and stuff. And you say, well, is that what saint means when Paul uses it? You know, because Paul was a good Catholic, right? So he's just using the same definition, right? No. <laughs> no. The word saint what he means by saint is, it, it, it's a broad category. It means Christian. So now this is going to blow something around. If you come from, from like a Catholic background, and, and and you wouldn't consider yourself this, but you're a Christian, you need to understand that Paul, the language of the New Testament, you're a saint, holy one, set apart. You were, you were a sinner, you were alienated from God, but God in his grace and mercy saved you, brought you into his family, and now you are a saint. And you say, well, I haven't performed a miracle. So a lot of these people hadn't either. Probably most of them hadn't. It's, it's not, so don't have this hierarchy um, in your mind. Like if you are a Christian, you are a saint, in Paul's estimation. And that's right. Paul also used this word back in verse 1. If you go back to um, chapter 1, verse 2, well, not verse 1, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, Paul introduces himself, he says, hey, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He mentions Timothy, who was our brother, so this family of God. And then he says, to the saints and the faithful brothers who are in Christ at Colossae. So he says, he, he's like, he's addressing this church. So if you are part of the church, if you are part of the church, then you are a saint. And so he's writing that to them and says, how does that figure in then with this idea of wanting to present everyone mature in Christ? And you say, well, what is that? If, if, if I'm already a saint, that seems like to be a really churchy word. Well, then why do I have to mature? I'll see if I can lay it out at explain it like this like just because someone is in a family doesn't mean that they're at the same maturity level right like I've got three kids I have a son that is going to be shipping off to uh, boot camp here in a couple of weeks I have a daughter that just got married last week and then I've got another daughter who is 14 and we were at another wedding yesterday and someone said to me they said She's out there trying to catch that bouquet. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know. I'm I'm watching, and if it looks like she's getting close, I'll go up there and catch it and take it away from her. I get it. I get it. Like I got one, and then you say, well, oh, it's because she's 14. Well, that's part of it. That's a that's probably the biggest part of it. The other part is I'm still trying to recoup from the first wedding. I need to like recoup financially, all right. But like, but reality is she ain't mature enough to be going going getting married right now. You know, I mean. And he like she's coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn getting married at fourteen. We ain't doing that, right? So, so you can ha- you can be part of the same family and be just as in in that family, but not be at the same maturity level, and that's okay. That's okay. This is what Paul is addressing. He says he, they're all saints. They're all in this church, but he wants to present everyone as mature in Christ. That's the goal where they're trying to get to. So. When he does this, he is, before he gets to that point, like the purpose of presenting everyone mature in Christ, he just kind of goes off. I mean, verse one, he, like, Paul is just like, he is just so excited about this. Listen to what he said. Like, he, he's talking about the greatness of the gospel. Now, you gotta understand that this is Paul as a Jewish man who, who, thought of himself as exclusively they were the people who had exclusive rights to the one true God Yahweh God the creator God the God of all gods the king of all kings the Lord of all lords their their temple was set up that with exclusivity in mind like you if you were not Jewish you could not go into the temple. And then even once you got inside the temple, you only one guy went into the Holy of Holies, which is supposedly where God dwelled, to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. That little Holy of Holies was separated by a veil, a thick veil. They they in the Old Testament, in the it gave the descriptions of this thing, it's like 30 foot tall, it's like 30 foot wide, and like in the thickness of this veil was like the width of a hand now think about that right now you are separated by a veil you're look around just look around you these little veils pipe and drape that is the church planter motto pipe and drape <laughs> pipe and drape it's how it's it's basically it's it's basically makeup for a church okay like if it, here if you stick around here long enough and we tear all this down today you're going to be like oh it really is a elementary cafeteria it doesn't look like that right now. That's because we put on our makeup. Pipe and drape. Okay? All right. But you stay around here long enough, you're going to see what she looks like in the morning. Okay? Without all that stuff. Okay? That's what, that's what it is. It's, so the, the veil, though, but this is thin. Like, if you, if you look real close, you can, like, see through it. This veil was, like, a hand-breadth hand thick. And when Jesus died on the cross... That veil in the temple, in Herod's temple, from the top all the way to the bottom, was ripped in half. But if you go back and you start reading like ancient historians like Josephus and, and guys like that, they said that this veil was so thick, so durable, that horses tied onto this thing could not pull it apart. And you, and you think about that. You, you know that, like, yeah, that's probably true. It was a thick piece of material, like the big, like like the mooring ropes that you have, like they're you know docking ships. It's like that, but uh, but thirty foot wide and thirty foot long, the width of your hand. It was thick, and that thing was ripped in half from top all the way to the bottom. Meaning, and that's the significance of it. The significance of it. It ripped in half from top to bottom. That means that all the access to God was now available. To any who would place their faith and trust in Christ. And this is what Paul is getting to when he says, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, the Gentiles formerly who were cut away from God, could not get into God, could not have access to God. Now because of what Christ has done, because of the mystery of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has died once and for all, for all sin, that that thing has been blown open. And anybody, regardless of their nationality, their creed, their ethnicity, their language, their socioeconomic background, Gentile, Jew, black, white, male, female, does not matter. Everyone has access to Christ through the gospel. That's this. And so Paul is just, he's laying, he says, to them God chose to make known this mystery How great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, who's he writing this to? To the saints of Colossae, who most of which are Gentile, and they've come in and they've believed. There are some of them, probably from a Jewish background, but we also know from studying the context of this letter and the history of this letter that... There were some people coming in, false teachers in the church, trying to tell them that they needed to go back into the Jewish law and do the things of the law to be mature. And Paul is like, no, don't, it's, it's not that. So this big idea is that Christ in us, the hope of glory, he is in us and he is the hope of glory. And we all have some maturing to do. What's interesting about the false teachers who were arriving in the church is they were saying, hey, you need to come up here and be like me. And they didn't think that they had any maturing to do. We all have some steps to take. All of us have some maturing to do. Okay. So that's the, that's the, the introduction. So look at this. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. The gospel, I want you to know this, the gospel brings us all the way home. The gospel brings us all the way home. It, 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 it provides for us everything that we need to mature in Christ. The gospel does this. Look at this. Because of Jesus, Gentiles now have access to God. Because of Jesus, Gentiles now have a seat at the table. They have, they, they, they can mature in Christ. They have a say, they have a vote. So look at the verbiage of verse one. Paul Paul is just brimming with passion as he writes this. I imagine that as he was right, because you got to understand, he wrote this while he's in prison. He handed this to the guy who started the church. His name was Epaphras. And I don't imagine that like he just, you know, wrote it, put it in like an envelope sealed it and said, okay, go read this to him, but don't read it first. No, no, no. That's not how Paul did it. I guarantee it's not how Paul did it. Paul probably sat there and said, Paphras, I want you to sit down. And then he read this letter passionately. And then probably when he got to this verse, he probably just paused and said, now, Paphras, you're going to go back and you're going to read this letter because I ain't got no video camera. I can't put it on my Instagram account so you can just show them. Like I'm, 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 Putting this out there and performing this for you because you're gonna go back to that church. You're gonna read this for the church. When you get to this verse, Epaphras, don't you be yawning when you read this verse. This verse is where it all is about: Christ in you, the hope of glory. They that church that you started, Epaphras, those people need to know that Christ is in them and that he is the hope of glory they need to know that they are part of this glorious mystery being revealed that the Gentiles them as Gentiles have just as much access to God as our Jewish brothers and sisters did they need to know that they don't need to be seeing themselves as second class citizens in the church they don't need to be seeing themselves as second class citizens anywhere they are sons and daughters of the king of kings Christ in you the hope of glory and I imagine pastor's going okay I'll give it a shot I'll try don't you be yawning when you read this and here's the, great, here's the crazy thing we know that this concept of glory had gripped Paul what is the hope of glory usually when we talk about glory and I think it's not far off in, in Paul that glory is, you know, after this life, right? And we get to experience some glorious things, part of this, like while we're here, but this idea of glory, the hope of glory, he's talking about after we die, where is our hope? Where lies our hope? It's in what Christ has done, what he has prepared for us. Now, I want you to, I want you to get this. I'm going to go over into the book of Philippians for just a second, because I want you to understand how this concept had gripped Paul. And then I want to ask you some questions. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, Paul writes this to another church. He probably wrote these letters really close to the same time. He writes this, this uh, letter, and he says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Time out. Time out. To die is gain? What are you talking about, Paul? To die is gain. Like I can get to live is Christ, but to die is gain? Come on, man. Yet that's what he says. Here's what he says. It goes on in verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. That's what he says. And when he says depart, he's not talking about getting on a ship and going across the ocean like, you know, carnival cruise. No, no, no. He's talking about dying. That's what depart means for him here. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Far better than what? Well, ministry, (laughs) being in this jail cell, worrying about these churches. Fighting people who are trying to get me in trouble? Yeah. Being with Christ is better than all of that. That's what Paul says. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He's hard pressed between the two. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. See, Paul wanted to present everybody in Philippi mature in Christ. He was concerned about their progress. Did he? Was there days that he wanted to go and be with Jesus? Absolutely. Now, I realize the next question that you may be asking is like, so you're saying it's all right to want to die? Well, maybe. Cody, are there days that you want to die? Yes. Like on setup and teardown days <laughs> in July. And if I don't feel that way now, just wait till about 12 30. <laughs> Hot, melted down, I'm halfway there already. Here's my question for you. As you look back at you, as you just just I want to I want you to get real honest about your life right now. Can you say that to die is gain? I'm not asking you to go suicidal. I ain't saying that. I'm not trying to put you in some kind of depression. I'm trying to say, do you have a robust and healthy enough hope that you can say with Paul to live as Christ, to die as gain? And if not, why not? What is it that you're putting your hope in? Can you honestly say, as you look back and evaluate your maturity, can you, can you say, yeah, I can, I can say to live as Christ? Or if you really had to be honest and you say, to live is, and that blank would be filled with something else, to live is my family, to live is my kids, to live is my job, to live is my ministry, to live is my 401k, to live is whatever else. The result of Christ in you, the hope of glory is a proper attitude toward death and a resolved attitude of Jesus-centered, other-oriented ministry. That's that's what for Paul and here in Philippians to live as Christ to die as game. Well, what does the to live as Christ mean? Well, it's all wrapped up in ministry toward other people. That's what living in Christ is in the Christian life. It's others-focused. So. With all that said, now we come into the purpose behind all of this. Him, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's Paul's strategy and purpose. Now the purpose is very clear. The strategy, a little bit less clear. Here's what I mean by that. The purpose is that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I'm just going to tell you something right now. We can't, we should have no, we should not have a different purpose, than what Paul had for that church. We should want, we should desire ever to present everyone mature in Christ. We want that. We want spiritual formation. We want you to know Christ. We want you to know more about him. We want you to be in love with Christ. We want you to understand what he's doing, who he is. We want to understand your proper role. Ru- we want you to understand the proper role for him in your life. We want you to be properly related to him and related to others in the church. We want to present everyone mature in Christ. Now the question is, how did Paul do it? How did Paul do it? And the text really doesn't tell us a lot. He didn't say that he, you know, took people through the gospel of Mark, which is what we do. Well, the gospel of Mark may not have even been written at this time. We don't know. It's it's like, and it may not have been widely dispersed. They certainly couldn't download it on their iPhones. So how did he do that? Now, I'm going to ask this question. Do you consider yourself mature in Christ? I asked that earlier. I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to ask it again at the end. Do you consider yourself mature in Christ? Maybe another way to ask it is, okay, if you don't consider yourself mature in Christ, do you consider yourself maturing in Christ? Or have you been kind of just stagnant for a long, long time? So how does Paul intend to do it? We aren't given many details about Paul's... Plan for presenting everybody mature in Christ. But we are given a couple. And it's found in the very first three words of verse 28. Him we proclaim. Him. That's talking about Jesus. So if he's going to present everybody mature in Christ, it's going to have to be about Jesus. I talked with a guy today. We were talking about like um, just like preachers and stuff like that. He goes, yeah, I've noticed that some of the guys I used to listen to, they're, it's, it's not the same. It, 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 I, there's something missing about it. And I asked him, I said, I said, here's what I want you to do with the different TV preachers and stuff like that. And I'm not saying they're all bad. They're, they're successful. But here's th- something to do that I think is, is, is good. Like just like write down how many times Jesus is mentioned. And just count them up. And if Jesus is never mentioned in a sermon, that probably ain't good. Because Paul says Him we proclaim. It all has to come back to the person and work of Jesus. Okay. Second part, we. Paul says Him we proclaim. That means that Paul wasn't just out there rogue doing this on his own. He did this in community. He had a team of people around him means that he wasn't a cult leader. It's got to be community. There's got to be there's got to be other people helping using their gifts and abilities. Okay? And then the third part is proclaim. That word proclaim, we it's a derivative of the word evangelion, which is the word that we get evangelism from. And the word literally means to announce broadly, to make known openly and with wide distribution. That's the word evangelism. Have you ever noticed that the word evangelism, the word angel is right there in the middle of it? You know why? That's not by accident. Because you know what an angel is? Messenger. They just deliver news. Messenger. Paul was a messenger as well. He wasn't an angel. He didn't become an angel that's a whole other sermon for another day That's he, 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 but he wasn't an angel but he was a messenger him we proclaim make known broadly wide distribution you ever read that about Paul like it didn't matter what they did to Paul he just wasn't going to shut up about Jesus Paul you better stop talking about Jesus we're going to beat you with sticks yeah it's already happened we're going to stone you yep been there done that one too we're going to put you on a shipwreck. Yeah, happened. We're going to throw you in jail. No problem. Lots of people get saved in jail. We're going to chain you in the darkest part of the basement. Great. I'm going to be chained to that guy. I'm going to tell him about Jesus all day long. <laughs> there was just, just wasn't anything they could do with him. He just wouldn't shut up about Jesus. <laughs> like the Roman jailer got saved. didn't <laughs> you know, think there's nothing they could do to the guy. The guy lived, lived the freest life of anybody on the planet. Him we proclaim. So Paul, that was his. That was the parameter. So we know that it's got to be that. Now he also warned and taught with all wisdom. Now and he knew this. He knew that people don't naturally drift toward holiness. They don't. People, you and I, and and everyone that you meet, and everyone that you know, and everyone you ever will meet, nobody becomes a mature in Christ by accident. It doesn't happen. Listen to what D.A. Carson says. D.A. Carson says this. He wrote this in an article on Gospel Coalition. I thought it was fantastic. He said, people do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, and obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking that we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince others that we've been liberated. Yeah. Yeah. O oh me or amen. I don't know about y'all, y'all I can preach that and I'm just hoping it hits some of y'all in the face and bounces right back and hits me because I need it too. (laughs) You say, well we're, wrap all this up, where are we going with this? You say, well what is our plan here at the table for presenting everyone mature in Christ? If that's what Paul wanted to do with the church and the saints there at Colossae, what is the plan here at the table? Well we want to present everyone mature in Christ as well. We want everyone to, um, we want everybody that comes to the table, comes through those doors to understand Christ in you, the hope of glory. How? How does that start? Well, first of all, they got to, Christ has to be in them. Well, how does Christ get into a person? How does that happen? Well, you got to ask him. You got to, you got to believe you got to place your faith and trust in Christ and the way that we do that here is like we want to just take people through the Gospel of Mark. I had a conversation with someone today. They're starting to read through the Gospel of Mark and just explaining who Christ was. Like, why did Christ go and get tempted out there in the desert for forty days? Why did that? Why, why was that? I got to explain that. We want you to. We want to introduce you to the person and work of Jesus. So, if, you, if that's not you, you're like, I'm not a Christian, but I, I am interested in knowing more about Him. We want. That's our step. Read through the Gospel of Mark with somebody. Go to the info table, fill out that blue card. Let's connect. Tell them you want to read through that and we'll, we'll, we'll connect with you. We'll do that. We'll make time for that. And then next, we, you, you'll, if you become a Christian, we we'll want to follow you in baptism. We want you to share your story. We want people to know who, what has happened to you. Just like so has like happened to so many people here in this congregation. And then we want to disciple you. You say, well, I've already read through the Gospel of Mark. I know there's a lot more books in the Bible. There's a lot more of them. There's tons of them. We want to meet. We want you to meet with two or three other newer Christians and just learn what are the basics of the faith. We do that through a book called The Walk that takes you through. And it's a really, really good book. I'm going through it with two guys right now. And they are maturing in their faith. It is beautiful to watch their understanding of the gospel. It's beautiful. Now some of you might say, well listen, I've already done most of that. I'm a Christian. I've been baptized. I've, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. But cody i I still don't think that i'm mature in christ what What is it for me? I would say well it, you you can't do this thing alone, like Paul said, we proclaim him like you Christ, we proclaim him we proclaim. Are you doing this Christian thing on your own if if you are then your step of maturity is you're going to get into relationship with some other people in the church. you need to get into a group, a community group, and that's a scary thing because eventually you're going to get to know those people like you should and you'll start talking about your life and that's a scary thing or serve on a team or here's one give more you say wait a minute why you you had me until you started talking about money why'd you do that Uh, listen I'm just going to tell you this right now I don't know of anything that has stretched my faith more than giving more it just makes you depend on him you say well I ain't giving anything great you have an easy step to take just start (laughs) right nothing stretches your faith like that's you say some of but but still I know some of you are like Cody I'm I'm in a group I'm serving on a team I I give you know is there anything for me yes some of you are doing all those things is there more for you yeah yeah there is. There's tons more. There's an orange card that's available at the info table, and it has all kinds of options you can check. I'll just list some of them. You can, we, we have a how to study the Bible uh, class that goes on for people that just want to know more about that. It goes on on Monday nights. You can find out more information about that. You can tell somebody your story about how you met Christ. That'll stretch you. There's nothing more spiritual you can do than telling someone else how you found Jesus. You can baptize your friend. You can read through the Gospel of Mark with someone. You can lead your community group for about a month and give your community group leader some time off. Those are things you can do. You can help plant a church like Epaphras did. There's tons of things you can do. So here's my question. Do you consider yourself mature in Christ? And what steps should you take toward maturity in Christ. Do you want to become a Christian today? If you do, you can pray this silently or you can pray it out loud. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And God, I want you to save me. I want want to follow you. You can become a Christian today, right now. Say, well, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. I'd like to talk with someone about that. Again, fill out that blue card. Let us know and we'll We'll set up a meeting. We'll talk with you. Talk through that. Some of you say, I'm a Christian. I've never been baptized. I think I need to do that. I think you're right. I think you do. You ought to do that. But the question is, do you want a community of believers? Do you want to be in community? Then take that step. Get to know others. We're not meant to do this thing alone. And then another real simple one. We're going to take communion here in just a moment. It's for baptized believers. If you say, I, I'm, I'm a believer, but I'm not baptized yet, hey, sit this one out, okay? Just wait. Let's, let's don't, you know, let's put a ring on it, all right? So, but for those who have been baptized and we're believers, we're followers of Jesus walking in repentance and faith, we're going to come, we're going to take communion. And that bread's going to represent his body, his perfect righteousness given for us. And that juice represents his death on the cross for us that that's it represents Christ in us the hope of glory that communion is a physical reminder of Christ in us that we're ingesting Christ okay then we're going to go back to our seats and we're all going to stand we're going to sing if you've never sang i'm going to invite you that if that's a small step that you can take sing sing to god give him the glory do his name worship him. He is worthy of everything. You say, well, I don't sing well. I bet the person next to you don't either, but they do. They sing real well and they're going to be louder than all of us. All right. It'll be fine. You just make a noise. Sing, give him the glory, do his name. All right. So take that step. Don't leave here today without taking a step. Don't leave here today unchanged. Don't leave here today unmoved. What a waste of your time. Why in the world would you come somewhere, give an hour and a half and not be different? Don't leave here today unchanged. Don't leave here today unmoved. Take that step and let us know what it is. I'm going to pray for us, we're going to take communion, we're going to sing. Jesus, we thank you for all of your grace, all of your glory, everything that you've done. God, that you are in us, the hope of glory. God, may we be about that. May we be about presenting everyone mature in Christ. And God, would you help us take those steps today. In your good, good name we pray. Amen.